Welcome to The Queen and Jersey, a special edition series by Bailiwick Podcasts. Time and technology worked in tandem to make Queen Elizabeth II Britain's most travelled monarch. Her Majesty was 96 years old when she died, having come to the throne in 1952, by far the oldest and longest serving royal Great Britain has ever known. When she was crowned, the winds of change were just beginning to blow and the last vestiges of the empire were giving way to a Commonwealth of Nations. In this new role as the head of the Commonwealth, she crisscrossed the globe. In the early part of her reign, she travelled as most of her predecessors had, by boat and train, but later advances in aviation, particularly the jet engine, revolutionised travel and shrunk the world, making visits to far-flung destinations more practical. However, this punishing, globe-trotting lifestyle did not come at the expense of tours closer to home. She came to Jersey on six occasions, more than any other monarch. While those visits to Jersey often had a common thread, state sittings, the homage of the seigneurs, cattle shows, unveiling monuments and opening buildings, and chances for the island's schoolchildren to meet her, there was also another common thread, a gradual informality as, over the years, stiff presentations and inspections gave way to more relaxed walkabouts. Since the sad news of the death of Her Majesty, Express has been looking back on each of those visits. In the previous episode, we travelled to 1957, when Her Majesty first visited Jersey as Queen. More than 20 years were to pass before her next trip to the island in 1978. The previous year had seen the Queen's Silver Jubilee, 1973 the marriage of her oldest daughter Princess Anne to Captain Mark Phillips, and in 1977 the arrival of the Queen's first grandchild, Peter Mark Andrew Phillips. Britain had joined the common market and Labour Prime Minister James Callaghan was in power. Locally, Jersey's bailiff during the occupation, Alexander Coutanche, who the Queen had met on her previous visits, and who had been knighted in 1946 and ennobled as Baron Coutanche in 1961, had died in 1965. Punk rock was unsettling the swinging 60s and the staid post-war world, with the BBC famously refusing to play the Sex Pistols song God Save the Queen on the grounds of taste and decency, and many shops, including Woolworths, refusing to sell the record. Despite the societal changes, royal visits were not yet the relaxed affairs they were later to become, and locally still very much followed the same formula. On the evening of 26th of June, the couple arrived in local waters aboard the Royal Yacht Britannia. It moored in St Oban's Bay and hosted a reception for 200 guests, which went on until midnight. The following morning, at 10.15, the couple were ferried to the Albert Pier aboard the Royal Barge and met by the new bailiff, Sir Frank Arrow. In time-honoured fashion, eight-year-old Claire Stanley presented the Queen with a bouquet. Claire had entered a competition put on by the Harbours Department for the children of staff members, and, to her surprise and delight, she was chosen. Rehearsals involved learning to curtsy and finding her way to stand in the right place at the right time. A white sea was even painted on the tarmac, just in case. The royal visitors were then driven to the Royal Square for a special sitting of the State's Assembly. In her reply to the loyal address, the Queen said she was delighted to be back in the island again, especially since she had been unable to visit during her Silver Jubilee year. 
Then, once again following protocol, led by Philip Mallet de Cartret of St. Juan, the island's senior seigneur, who had only been in the post for 60 days, the lords of the manor swore allegiance to the sovereign in a special ceremony in the royal court. Outside the building, a smaller-than-anticipated crowd of about 1,000 people waited patiently to capture a glimpse of the royal couple. The Queen and Duke waved as they left the building. By contrast, 4,000 schoolchildren had been marshalled in the grounds of Grainville, which the states had just paid one million for as the site for a new secondary school. Two students from St Helier Girls' School, Leslie Smith and Kerry McIntosh, presented the Queen with a soft toy of a Jersey cow for her new grandson. Afterwards, while the Queen retired to Government House, the Duke of Edinburgh went to St Helier Boys' School to meet some of the island's youngsters involved in his awards scheme. This time, lunch was at the Hotel Lorazon, Scotch salmon, Nant duckling and strawberries. In the afternoon, 5,000 islanders were at Le Petit Catelet St John for a specially arranged country show which the visitors attended. The royal couple were greeted by owner Anne Pachard, who presented them with Ansem Designet, a prized Jersey cow worth an estimated £1,000. The final event of the day was at Howard Davis Park, where once again a crowd of about 5,000 people had gathered. Amongst those to be presented were three of the island's young English channel swimmers, David Minty, Linda Devereux and Robert de Saint-Pierre, as well as David Sanderman, who in 1976, aged just 17, became the youngest person to sail across the Atlantic single-handed. The couple departed at the harbour for the royal yacht at five o'clock, at the end of their third visit to the island. Thank you for listening to The Queen and Jersey. This is an audio version of an article produced by Eric Blakely and the Bailiwick Express team, read by me, Fiona Potney. If you'd like to see the full version, you can click the link in this episode description. If you've enjoyed delving into this period in the island's history, please do like and share this podcast with others. And to keep up to date with all the latest coverage on how Jersey is paying tribute to Her Majesty the Queen, sign up to our free daily news email and download the Bailiwick Express app.